Dusty Baker is retiring an all-time great. Meanwhile, another terrific manager is hoping to have his Dusty Baker moment. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and we're wrapping up my fifth full season here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. And if you do listen to us every day, hey, do me a favor. If you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pods, uh, same handle for Instagram, or if you follow us on uh, wherever you get your podcast, you follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, whatever it's called now, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. If you leave a comment, make sure to leave the hashtag everyday Sully so I have an idea of who's listening to every single day. And uh, you please, please subscribe to all those places I just said. And uh, let's enjoy the show. Um, this is going to be the we just finished doing, and I mean, just as you can tell, I'm dressed the same. We just finished doing our World Series preview with Bryce Patrick and uh, Millard uh, Thomas, which aired yesterday. Uh, there's going to be a segment in this show that we're doing today, which was a bit of a spillover. The three of us were continuing to talk after we we're done with the episode, and we realized the conversation we we're having is one that we should probably share with you all, which is our thoughts about the length of the season and whether or not we should do something about that. Um, and uh, we, we, it got a little animated and everything. We were all three opinionated people. Hey, um, we've got a bunch of things we've got to talk about today. Um, let's answer the trivia question, of which I said, who has the most career World Series saves in Diamondbacks history? And John Murphy Jr. guessed Byung Young Kim, the uh, embattled closer, talented but embattled closer, of the 2001 World Series champion Diamondbacks? No, actually, that's not the answer. And the answer was Virgilio Piano got it correct. There's been no saves in the World Series in Arizona Diamondbacks history. The three games that they had won before the epic game seven were all blowouts. Kurt Schilling won his game. Uh, Randy Johnson threw a complete game victory in game two. Randy Johnson threw another solid blowout game in game six, and then game seven was the walk-off hit. So the first, if if a save is recorded by the Diamondbacks in the World Series, it would be the first ever World Series save by a Diamondbacks pitcher. So maybe that was a bit of a trick question. And we're going to talk a little bit about this in the segment, but I'm totally bewildered by some of the backlash that's already happening about this World Series, about it being two teams that nobody seems to care about and there's no juice about it. And I'm old enough to remember when people were complaining it was nothing but big market teams and the same teams over and over again. Ah, uh, the Red Sox and Yankees winning every year and the Braves winning every year. Okay, well, here are two new teams. It's all the Northeast bias, Northeast bias, fine. Dallas and Phoenix. You don't get further from Northeastern bias than that. And now it's, oh, but who wants to see those teams? 
you got to make up your mind, folks. You got to make up your mind about what you're getting outraged about. Um, Nate Silver, who made one accurate prediction in his life, and people still want to listen to him, was talking about how this is one of the least exciting World Series matchups ever. Well, Lottie freaking da. How about we watch the series before we declare it a garbage matchup? Best World Series I've ever seen is 1991. Minnesota versus Atlanta. Two cities I had never been to at that point. Two teams I had no dog in that fight. Anyway, um, there was some big news that happened the other day. Um, Dusty Baker, I think no one was really surprised by this. Dusty Baker called it a career. And he's one of the all-time greats. He has uh, managed for a long, long time. Uh, managed, uh, is among the all-time lead leaders in victories by a manager. And he is, um, he's had an extraordinary career as a manager. Now, he he is a three-time manager of the year. He's man, He managed for 26 seasons. And in those 26 seasons, he's had uh, 10 first-place finishes and uh, a couple wild-card appearances as well. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is he took, he got a first-place finish with the Cubs, first-place finish with the Astros, first-place finish with the Giants, first-place finish with the Reds, and first-place finish with the Washington Nationals. Five different teams he brought into the postseason. No New York teams, no Boston teams, no Los Angeles teams. Got his ring as a player with Los Angeles. But everywhere he went, they won. Everywhere they went, the players were willing to run through a brick wall from. Now, people have always criticized how he handles pitching staff, how he's handled this, that, and the other thing. How could anyone criticize how he handled the Astros? As I said, for someone who has been beleaguered by the some of the questionable pitching decisions in big games, pulling Russ Ortiz too soon, letting Mark Pryor in too long, this man managed the only combined no-hitter in the history of the World Series, which meant he must have been pushing some buttons correctly. And he was fired by Washington and was not there when they went on to win the World Series. He was fired from Washington after losing the playoffs in 2017. And then they missed the playoffs altogether in 2018 and then won the World Series in 2019. He took over the beleaguered Astros who were beleaguered on their own, by their own fault, deflected the attention, got them to the League Championship Series all four years he was the manager, got them to Game 7 of the League Championship Series in 2020 and 2023, back-to-back World Series appearances and the World Series title last year with his 106-win team that beat Philadelphia. There is nothing he did wrong in his managerial – there's nothing you can point to in his managerial reference to resume to not put him in Cooperstown. And any issues that he had had handling the pitch staff of the Giants or the Cubs or anything became wisdom, became absolute wisdom. And he walked away with his team being an elite squad. Now, uh, who should replace him? To me, I think this should be the absolute shortest managerial search of all time. And no, I'm not going to say Bruce Bochy's lieutenant. I'm going to say Joe Espada, who's the bench coach and who has been courted by so many other teams. Um, they should have announced that today. And who knows, maybe by the time this drops, 
it will be announced that he is the new manager. But yeah, he's been the the bench coach there forever. A lot of teams have interviewed him. So yeah, why why not just say here it's your team? You know everyone here. Go. Um, an interesting thing that on the day that Dusty Baker retired, Bob Melvin left the Padres just two years after joining the Padres and getting to the league championship series in 2021. Obviously they had a disappointing year. They finished only two games behind uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you get this, you're smelling in the air that the Padres who went for it this year, maybe thinking of tearing it down. And maybe Bob Melvin is saying, I don't know about this. There's the opening with the Giants. He played for the Giants. He's from Menlo Park. He's born in Palo Alto. And he obviously has tremendous ties in the Bay Area. And he was hired to be the Giants manager. And it is a perfect fit. And I have no doubt the Giants are going to do quite well, thank you very much, under his managerial tutelage. Like Dusty Baker, he has done just about everything except win it all. And if you look at his record, it is Dusty Baker-esque in terms of, okay, he does he hasn't had as many years as a manager, but he has been a manager for 20 years, okay? You know, Dusty for 26. But Bob Mellon has been a manager for 20 years. And along the way, he's had, you know, he inherited a very good Mariner team. His first year as a manager that won 93 games, but they fell apart in 04. He took over Arizona, got them to the league championship series in 2007 with a 91 team, despite a negative run differential took over the Oakland A's in the middle of the 2011 season. They won the division in 2012, 2013 were wildcard team in 2014. They tore the team down. And by 2018, they were a 97 win team again, make the playoffs in 2008, uh, 2018, 2019 and winning the division in the COVID year. And were a good team in 2021. They were an 86 win team in 2021. And then they tore the team down and now the, the franchise is destroyed. Went to the Padres, got them to the league championship series. Like Dusty, he has taken multiple teams to the postseason. And like Dusty, he has one big glaring resume thing in his resume. Actually, Dusty had managed the team to the world, so he's managed the Giants. He needs to get a World Series victory. Because the nanosecond Bob Melvin gets a World Series victory as a manager, do you know what happens? The Hall of Fame discussion begins. It's funny, there's a bunch of managers that are up for this new uh, Hall of Fame vote that's going to come about this year. I'm going to show up at that later on when the season's over. And there are managers like Lou Pinella and Cito Gaston and Jim Leland who are on there. Davey Johnson is on there. Um, and for the case of Leland and Davey Johnson and Lou Pinella, like Bob Melvin, like Dusty Baker, they've managed different teams, multiple teams, to the postseason. And each one of them has that one World Series title that kind of justifies their career. The Lou Pinello with 19, the 1990 Reds, Davey Johnson with the 86 Mets, and Jim Leland with the Marlins in 1997. And, of course, Cedar Gaston's on there, too, who led the Jays to back-to-back World Series titles. Slightly different thing. But if Bob Melvin can win with the Giants, he would be in that Leland, Pinella, Davey Johnson type of career where wherever you know, they, they won multiple places and managed to get a ring along the way. Obviously, the Giants are my favorite National League team, so I want them to do well. Bob Melvin, uh, 
he went to actually my rival high school. I went to the Menlo school. He went to Menlo Atherton, but I digress. Um, this is a huge move for the uh, San Francisco Giants. I think it's a great, a great signing. Now, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm always talking about Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, but the person who should be managing the Padres next year is not one of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. It's Mike Schilt should be the manager. The guy was manager of the year in 2019, managed the Cardinals to the playoffs in 2021, got unceremoniously dumped, and the Padres picked him up to be part of their organization. If they are going to still potentially go for it, at least nominally, in 2024, put in a manager with manager of the year credentials, like Mike Schilt, who just happens to be on the payroll. Well, look at when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the season itself in a continuing discussion that I had with Miller Thomas and Bryce Patrick during our World Series preview issue, where we went a little bit off the rails and had an interesting conversation. All right, as promised, we're here with Bryce Patrick of Lockdown Rangers and Miller Thomas of Lockdown Diamondbacks. Uh, this was something we were talking about in the middle of our World Series preview that we dropped the other day. Uh, but we want to talk about this slightly off topic, but kind of on topic here. We have, for the second straight year, we have a team that barely got into the playoffs. The last of the wildcard teams is in the World Series. Uh, for the second straight year, the teams with the best record got bounced unceremoniously. Toodaloo, get a cab. 100-win teams can't make it out of the uh uh, division series. There is, of course, a very easy solution for that, which is win your games. However, by having a 162 game season, of which a team that barely finished above 500 is representing one of the leagues in the World Series, while there are teams that spent the 162 games being dominant and people saying, oh my God, is this the best team in their franchise's history? And the answer is they'll be completely forgotten by mid-October. The question is, is the regular season devalued with the longer playoffs? I have my thoughts, but I want to have the thoughts. Granted, you two are probably huge fans of the current playoff system and, uh, and regular season, but does this does the fact that it's a total crapshoot with more teams in it devalue the regular season? And Millard Thomas or Bryce Patrick, I'll give you a jump ball. Whoever wants to take it first here. I'll I'll go first. All I'll right. go first. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's maybe a little bit devalued, but also, like you said, the solution is just get good, win your games. And like the fact that it's this Braves and the Dodgers team, especially like, the the D-backs handled them pretty handily. Um, but I mean, the value of the regular season, I mean, the Rangers were basically almost tied with, with the Mariners at the end of the season. And the Mariners went out and dealt away their closer, Paul Sewald, at the deadline. And the D-backs went for it at the deadline. And the Rangers went for it at the deadline. And some other teams didn't. And those teams got bounced. And like that Dodgers team, while they were very good, they were flawed. And the Diamondbacks were better set up for the postseason. They weren't better set up for 162. And like, they're totally different things. I really like in European soccer, how they have, uh, you know, the end of the season, there is a, a trophy for whoever had the best record in the regular season. And then they also have the knockout 
tournaments because they're two different things. Like being great for 162 is an amazing accomplishment, but also it's different than winning the playoffs. And it's, it's not like, an indictment of the system. It's just it's, how baseball works. That's like the President's Cup in the NHL. If you have the best record of the regular season, uh, that that's a very hollow flag to hang up and your rafters when you get uh, bounced early in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Millard, uh, speaking of the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, yes. tell me your thoughts on that. Yes. Uh, to answer the question, has the regular season be de- has the regular season been devalued? I would like to answer no because the reason we're asking this right is because we saw the Braves and Dodgers just lose two hundred win. You know, dominant teams. Why play 162 games if those dominant teams are just going to lose in the first round of the postseason, right? I just think that kind of misses the point here. I agree we should actually shorten the regular season, but I don't think it's because of what we saw this past postseason. I think shortening the season actually raises the value. I think that we actually expanded the postseason actually raises the value of the regular season because as a D-backs fan, watching that team with 52 wins a couple years ago, your season ends immediately by the time June rolls around just because there's no chance to make up ground in the game. You look at it now with the expanded postseason field. Imagine the uh, go back to the last month of the season, those Reds games, D-backs games, Marlins, Cubs, all those teams in the NL wildcard race were all playing for something down the stretch. All those teams were like, should I go out and be buyers at the deadline? Maybe at the end of the season, we didn't get the result we wanted because the Dodgers or Braves didn't win, but you were able to go into the regular season, go into the deadline with more teams than ever feeling like they had a chance to make it to the postseason. And now you see a team like the D-backs showing you that, yeah, you just got to make it to the dance. And then anything is possible. I do think we have to shorten the regular season because I never believed 162 games was the right arbiter of which team should make the postseason. Because we saw if you expand the postseason a little bit, that third wildcard team might make it to the World Series. So how can 162 games ever be the arbiter? When we have the 2020 short season, after 60 games, do we feel like the wrong teams made it to the postseason? No. So I think the whole discussion of should we shorten the season, I think that is the right discussion, but I don't think it's coming from the right place. I don't think it's the postseason is the reason we should shorten the playoffs, or excuse me, shorten the regular season. I think we should just shorten it because it's way too long, and I would actually Matt, I would actually want more if each game mattered a little bit more because there were less games. Plus, with every team with the expanded postseason now feeling like they're in it, I think the regular season actually has more meaning than ever. I, I don't want to shorten the regular season just because I like more baseball. Always. That's that's my short answer for that. I, and look, no one likes baseball. You'll never find someone who likes baseball in general more than myself. Uh, I mean, I, I just I love it. I have been advocating for over a decade for a shorter season. I did a posted a video back in 2011 on this very topic. It has nothing to do. In fact, when I posted it, there wasn't even a wild card game yet. I mean, it's, it's, I've been saying this wow. for a while. Look at this and guy. it isn't because I want less baseball. It's for a couple reasons. First of all, I think August is the great wasted month in baseball because most baseball fans tend to check out in September. We, we don't because we're rabid fans, but most of them yeah. are focusing on football. The minute – Labor Day comes, school year starts, fall begins. You try to start a baseball conversation with someone like, oh, baseball's still on in the most exciting month of the year. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like watching Rocky and turning it off just before he fights Apollo Creed. You know, it's like the, this is the time that it's the most exciting. 
August should be the big stretch run. Absolutely the biggest stretch run. You should play the wild card at the time game on Labor Day, which is the unofficial ending of summer. And then you mm-hmm. play the playoffs in September where they aren't clashing up against, you know, football being around for a full month. And you have it being played in weather that is more like baseball. Now, it's less of an issue in Arizona and in Texas. But a few years ago, both the Rockies and the Twins made it to the playoffs. You could have had Denver and Minneapolis late October, early November. That's not baseball weather. And I actually do, even though I'm as big a baseball fan as you will ever find, I feel like when it starts to bleed into November for not like it did in 2001 for, you know, because of the, you know, the tragedy that pushed all baseball, yeah, pushed everything back, but just because no, we, we've just scheduled it to be mm-hmm. going deep into November. I think to build new fan bases, I think for some people, the 162 game schedule, much like a long running time of a movie is a little daunting, but I also think that there was a randomness to the baseball playoffs as always with there's always been upsets and things like that because but because so few teams made it to the postseason it allowed that 162 game to be the gauntlet that allowed it to be okay when the occasional 87 twins or 88 dodgers who came no business going to the world series either one of those teams wound up winning at all he had three three out of four years, 85 Royals, 87 Twins, and 88 Dodgers. None of those teams were close to being the best team in baseball over 162 games, but they were the ones celebrating at the end of the year, and you were okay with it because they all ran through the gauntlet. I think if you've expanded the playoffs the way we do, and I'm all for it, I think, and like Miller said, fewer games means more value to it. You have September to be your month of baseball playoffs. You play the World Series the first week of October. And there you go. And I also think what it does is by having it where you see more like 80 some odd win teams doing it, it force it may mean you don't have your super teams, you know, trying to win 110 games, but you mm-hmm. have more teams trying to win 87, 88 games. So you have fewer of those teams that are just behemoths, but you have more teams that are refusing to be sub 500 which I think will mean more teams will be trying to get into the GD dance. And I'm all for that. And I cleaned it up because I don't want to explicit <laughs> rating on this show. Yeah, yeah that's I the thing that matters it, the most. Oh, you could go. I, first, just, sorry. I just find it kind of funny that the teams that are like the bastions of, oh, this is why this format is bad, are two teams that have won the World Series in the last five years, just whining about it. You don't get to win it every year. You I, just I, don't. You just it, don't. Well, this is something I'm going to talk about this a little bit. And we talked about it earlier on this show. You got to be selective on your outrage. Are you outraged that it's the big market teams every year? Or are you outraged that it's not the big market teams? Are you outraged that it's high paying teams with that bulldoze you? Or are you mad that it's lower budget teams? I'm sorry. You have to pick one side of your outrage because it's becoming very confusing for me to figure out how outraged you are. Yeah, Sully, do you have any problem with yeah? Do you have any problems with the first round buys? Like, do you actually think it causes an issue with lack of you know building rust or whatever? I do, and I this my solution was this: Um, no off days. You the first day of the wild card series is Monday. The last day is Wednesday. No, you don't get travel days. That's your punishment. You start the. We were seeing teams not starting till Saturday. 
Start yeah. the division series on Thursday. Or do this. Have your t- I'm all for eliminating divisions. The top two teams get the buys. Everyone else plays one game playoff. You, play a, you each play a one game playoff on the same day. I, in fact, play them all at the same time. And you can flip back and forth between them. And then, boom, start the division series on Tuesday. Hey, the NHL just dropped, I think, their red zone. Like, it's called, like, Frozen Frenzy or something. Baseball needs to get on that. I mean, with the MLB playoffs here, I mean, how MLB, dope would it be? MLB beginning is, was a lot of fun on yeah. Game 162. I'm just saying. And this this year's Game 162 was a dud because all the, the, the spots were clinched. But now you have Game 162 with four eliminations. Well, actually, um, there was something that happened on, on Game 162 that yes, was, was up for great. <laughs> that is true. But it wasn't like you know, every team had clinched a playoff spot. You know what I mean, Bryce Batter. Don't make me fly out to Texas. All right. So that, that was a little bit of our talk about the season. I, I firmly believe that. I think if we had a shorter season, believe me, no one likes watching baseball more than me. But I actually think it would help. It would help grow interest in the sport. It would help make the the games mean more. I think there'll be fewer injuries. And you would also preserve a lot of those records. It's going to be a heck of a lot harder to get to, you know, 700 home runs if you're playing a shorter season. All right. I digress. By the way, I was thinking about something the other day. Um, uh, I was thinking about the fact the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series. And... I was thinking about the fact that uh, a few years ago, Paul Goldschmidt asked out. He said, I'm out. I want, and won't trade me away from this place because they're not going to contend anymore. And so the Diamondbacks are in the World Series and the Cardinals are an absolute mess. And Goldschmidt, who was wonderful for as many, many years with the Diamondbacks, should have looked at Diamondbacks history and realized, just wait. Look at, no one's going to look at the Diamondbacks as a dynasty. No one's going to look at the Diamondbacks as a franchise like, oh man, they're a powerhouse or a juggernaut. However, if you look at the history of the Diamondbacks, there's not a lot of downtime. If you're a Diamondback fan, be patient. Every four or five years, you're back in the postseason. Now, they were formed in 1998. They were a 97-loss team out of the gate. They weren't very good. They signed Randy Johnson which became one of the single greatest free agent signings in the history of baseball. They immediately became a 100-win team and made the playoffs their second year. By their fourth year, they won the one of the greatest World Series in baseball history. By the end of their fifth year, they had been in the playoffs three out of five years. Okay, then they fell apart by 2004. They're a 111-loss team. Complete disaster. What a shame. Oh, what a disaster. Wait a minute. In 2007... They had the best record in the National League. So between 2002 and 2007, things were bleak in Arizona. But then they were good again. They made the postseason. They had a couple more good years. Then they fell apart. Oh, it's bad to be a Diamondbacks fan. Boom. 2011. They're back in the playoffs. But the time between 2007 and 2011 is not that long. Just ask Mariner fans how long it took to get back in the playoffs. Just ask Oriole fans who didn't see a, a postseason series between 1983 and 1996, and then from 1997 to 2012. Giant chunks. Think about Royals fans who went from 1985 to 2014 without a single appearance in the playoffs. 
Pirates from from 92 to 2013, no appearances in the postseason. Yet, every five years, if you're a Diamondback fan, you'll be rewarded. Okay, they, they lost a heartbreaking series to Milwaukee in 2011, and then they became a mediocre team and things got really bad. But boom, 2017, they're a wild card team, and they won the wild card game against the Colorado Rockies. They wound up getting whumped by the Dodgers, but oh, it was good to be a Diamondback fan again. Then they were okay, but not great. They decided not to fire Tory Lavoe after 110 lost season. And oh boy, but five years have gone by and boom, they're in the World Series. It's interesting when you see this team rewards their fans, maybe not with a World Series championship every five years, but a trip to October, a meaningful summer. If you were a Diamondback fan, You've had, and you're 10, 15, 20 years old, you've had two or three trips to the postseason, two or three summers where things are looking great, and you've been rewarded this year with an unlikely team. Now, what's probably going to happen is they'll be good for a couple of years, then things will fall apart, and then boom, four or five years after that, they're back in the playoffs. There are a lot of franchises that would love to have a history like that, especially with a one World Series title, they've already had their signature moment. It's funny how the signature moment was the Luis Gonzalez hit, while the Tony Womack hit was actually a thousand times more dramatic. But I digress. What I'm saying is, Diamondback fans, it's uh, pretty good. It's pretty good to be a Diamondback fan. I'm just saying, I'm sure Miller Thomas would agree with me. It's not always great to be a Ranger fan, and they had their signature game. Unfortunately, they're on the wrong side of it, which was game seven of the 2011 World Series. Now, here is the trivia question for today. Everyone remembers David Freeze got the game-tying triple with two outs in the bottom of the ninth to tie that game. He also hit the walk-off home run to win it. However, there was another inning where the Cardinals were one strike away from elimination. Would have made the David Freeze hit a wonderful footnote in St. Louis Cardinal history. Who else got an RBI hit with two outs, two strikes, and the Cardinals on the verge of elimination to tie the game? Who besides David Freeze got that big hit in that same game? That's a trivia question for today. Uh, next episode we're going to have will be after game one of the World Series. So let's have fun with that. So follow us on Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Going over managerial decisions and why 162 may be a little too much and why it's good to be a Diamondback fan. This has been Lockdown MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>